Lock and Load. This is GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. The leader in the fight to reclaim and expand our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Here's your host, Executive Director of GeorgiaCarry.org, Jerry Henry. Welcome to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour this beautiful Saturday morning in downtown Atlanta. Coming from downtown Atlanta, it's a beautiful Saturday morning, I guess, anywhere you're breathing. Uh, got, a, got a few things I want to talk about. Number one, uh, as you know, we kind of discussed last week after the, uh, after the massacre in Las Vegas, the, an awful lot of the politicians, and it seems like politicians on both sides of the aisle, think that one of the ways we can curb that is by doing away with bump fire stocks, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, I don't think we should give in on anything, especially something that really had nothing to do with that many people getting killed. Uh, it 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 did increase the rate of fire, but the way that guy was throwing bullets around there and 20,000 uh, people there in a, an enclosed area, somebody was going to get hurt no matter what. And I just think this is the wrong thing to do. To me, it shows that we're weak and ready to give up anything to, to try to salvage some of our rights. And uh, that doesn't sit real well with me. Today is October the 14th, and uh, those of you who know me know that Occasionally, I wear a, a um, little silver bracelet on my left hand, and uh, I'm asked occasionally if that's a MIA, and I say no, it's a KIA. And the name on this uh, bracelet is a guy that that I went to high school with, played football with, uh, in uh, 1963. And uh, after he was a year younger than me, after we got out of high school, he joined the Marines, uh, went over to Vietnam. And on October the 14th, 1967, which was 50 years ago, he was, uh, he was shot in South Vietnam and killed while uh, on duty. And he's, uh, he's one of the unsung heroes, in my opinion, it's on the, whose name is on the wall up in, uh, up in Washington, D.C. And I, just, I, I would imagine that an awful lot of you, especially those in my age group, if you stop and think, there's probably an awful lot of people that... There are the same uh, the same things happened to them. They didn't come back from over there. Uh, they were good guys. They gave their life uh, in defense of what we were told was our country. And uh, people like that, uh, when you start kneeling, uh, instead of standing for the flag and and the pledge of allegiance and the uh, national anthem, you uh, you don't win any points with me at any rate. And that's. Uh, I'll get off that soapbox. Uh, at any rate, uh, today I have a special guest uh, that I've known now for, I guess, about 10 years, something along that line, met through georgiacarry.org. Uh, he's an attorney in Johns Creek, and uh, his name is Jason Thompson. He is uh, uh, active in the uh, Republican Party, active uh, in all kinds of things, and, and we're just going to try to get to know Jason, know a little bit about him, his family, and and uh, discuss a little bit of politics. We're not going to go into the ins and outs of politics, but uh, a little bit about what we think maybe that uh, that the Republican Party should be doing instead of what they are doing in a lot of instances. So welcome, Jason. Thank you, Jerry. I uh, 
It's been a while since I did radio. You know, and growing up, my mother told me I had a face for radio. Right. So I'm, I'm, right. I'm glad to. Uh, we're in, we're in the same boat. <laughs> we're right. in the same boat. <laughs> um, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been a strong advocate, as you know, for for the right to keep and bear arms, right. and uh, and I'll continue to do so until my last breath. But um, well, I'm here to. Go ahead. I'm going to say, tell us a little bit about about your practice. Who you are, where you're sure. from. I know that you're not from Georgia originally. No, I grew up in South Dakota, right? And uh, that's why I wear boots. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, and you know, there's I live in Gwinnett County now in Swanee, and uh, my office is in Johns Creek. But there are more people in Gwinnett County now that there are in South Dakota. Right. Right. I've been in Georgia probably about 20 years now, but. Right. Um, um, well, yeah, you, yeah. you also had a stopover in state next door, didn't you, to South Dakota? Yeah, I went to college in Minnesota. Right, mm-hmm. right. And, uh, and then I went to grad school in Virginia Beach Regent University. That's where I met my wife. Mm-hmm. And then I went to law school at Mississippi College in Jackson, um, which is a unique place. Um, I kind of always had the feeling, though, if you're not from there, you can't really stay there. Right. <laughs> um, I met probably, if you ever saw that movie Ghosts of Mississippi, mm-hmm. I probably met every person portrayed in that movie. It's a very tight-knit community. Right, right. Um, you know, the Bobby DeLauder, the, the, the played by Alec Baldwin, mm-hmm. um, Pat Bennett, who, uh, who they wanted to replace Bobby DeLauder with, a black female. She was my uh, uh, criminal procedure professor. Really? Um, Meredith Coxwell, the guy that defended Byron Dilla Beckwith, right. uh, was just a local attorney right there down the street from mm. where I clerked. Mm. Um, it's just, it's, everybody knows everybody uh, yeah. in Jackson, it seems. Right. Um, interesting place, but uh, I'm glad to be in Georgia. I've been here a long time. It's, it's home for me now. And uh, I've been involved in, in politics for a very long time, um, starting in, well, high school. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was literally standing up against my dad's Ben Franklin building. You remember Ben Franklin's, the five and dime store? Mm-hmm. Right. There were, it's, uh, the Walmarts of the world kind of right. did away with all right. those. And, right. But uh, their main competition was the Woolworths, which right. was down the street. And, and Kresge's. There was a place called Kresge's as well, I believe. And, yeah. And so Jack Kemp was running for president. And he was coming down the main street and, and – uh, and, South Dakota, people don't really, you know, it's more stoic. I mean, mostly Norwegians, Germans, that's right. my background. Right. And uh, so he's walking down the middle of the street. you got to imagine this. And people are, are lined up just kind of watching him like, I don't know, an alien landed or something. <laughs> and they don't want to go close to it. What's he doing walking down yeah, the middle of the street? Yeah, he's walking down the middle of the ro- road with his family. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's actually a crowd of people in front of my friend Eric and I, and we have our, our football jerseys. Because there's a game the next day. And I guess he probably thought that he'd go some, to somebody that he had something in common with football because he used to play for the Bills. Right. His, uh, his son, Jeff Kemp, who at the time was playing for the Rams, was with him. Mm-hmm. And so he walks through the – he just makes a beeline through the crowd to us, leaning up against this brick building, and walks right up to me and says, Hello, I'm Jack Kemp. How you doing? Remember, he used to talk like yeah. that. And uh, – and then introduced us to his family, and and then I kind of, you know, I got interested. I got the bug and started yeah. uh, participating and, and volunteering in politics, and, and uh, been involved in a, in a lot. I mean, yeah, from 
Well, it's amazing. You know, it's amazing how much you do get involved in your life, just and not even trying to. You you wind up just like you were standing there watching a guy walking down the street. You didn't know who he was or anything else, and then all of a sudden you're you're pulled into it. And I would assume that you were a pretty big big admirer of him after that, just because of the fact that he came over and and did that. I was there. There is something to be said for, you know, a face-to-face communication with people mm-hmm. um, in any form of politics or business. If you can really sit down and talk to someone face-to-face. I know nowadays I've, I've noticed uh, in law that a lot of the younger attorneys want to communicate all the time through the Internet. Right, right. And, you know, when you're talking to somebody through the Internet – you don't know really the way, what context they're, nope. they're using. And I've noticed that people are much more bold when they're communicating through the Internet. That's correct. When, when, but I notice also when I get to court face-to-face, they're a totally different person. Right, <laughs> right. And they're, they're bolder and they're, you can't read their body language. That's right. You don't know how they're going to respond to a question that you ask them face up in front of somebody. And, it, you know, I've had more – I've seen more arguments uh, on the Internet because somebody – wrote something and the way it was interpreted the guy the way the guy wrote it had nothing to do with the way it was interpreted but he the guy that was interpreting it saw it in a different light and then all of a sudden they're fighting over something when they were on the same side right and you can't to me you can't effectively communicate and that's one of the things that that these smartphones and and uh, the internet has done is taken away a lot of our communication skills especially from the younger folks in this society and and you have to be able to do that I think it's also taken away my eyesight because I just got glasses. <laughs> I uh, honestly, you know, I'm looking at the computer screen or right. my phone or the TV, right. and it's all day long. Right. And I never, you know, I was in court the other day in uh, arguing a motion, which I won, but the judge uh, asked me for uh, the case, and this judge is is, is handicapped, and mm-hmm. I I went to hand him the uh, the case the, the in paper form, and. He said, well, just tell me the, the, the case number. Right. So I started to read. I said, 350, wait, 360. I said, I'm sorry, Judge. I, 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 I swear I just had an eye appointment the other day. <laughs> I didn't have my glasses yet. I literally, literally picked them up uh, yesterday. Yeah. Yesterday was, a, was an eventful day. Yeah. I, uh, yes, so it was. At, at lunch. <laughs> <laughs> For me, too. Was it? <laughs> yeah. So at lunchtime, I went out to, with some guys in my firm and, and uh, Go ahead. Melvin Everson. A friend of mine. Right, he's I know now, Melvin. Uh, he's, Good guy. Uh, he's Hell of great. a speaker. Yeah, oh yeah. Man. Speaker you don't want to speak after Melvin. No, so he, we, we, were at, uh, we were at this uh, uh, country buffet, which is the last thing a guy like me needs to go. I need to stop with the right. fried chicken. But right. um, that's what I choked. I choked on a piece of fried chicken. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. And uh, so that happened. And then... And then, uh, and then I got my glasses. So pretty eventful day. Okay. Well, uh, I I had an eventful day too, which uh, we may or may not discuss later. Meantime, uh, we're coming to the end of the first section uh, segment. I'd like to remind you, go to georgiacarry dot org, our website. You can join. You can read anything that we've ever done. You can uh, renew your membership. Uh, you can. Uh, you got my contact. If you need to get in touch with me, you can follow us at Georgia Carry on Twitter. I'm at Got Your Back sixty four. And you can download the commercial-free podcast of this show at thenewstalk1160.com. We will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. 
Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. I'm here once again with Jason Thompson, an attorney from uh, Johns Creek, Georgia. And we, uh, we've we talked about a few things here. I wanted to uh, find out a little bit more about your practice, things you do, et cetera. How, what kind of cases do you take? And, and is it just you? How many attorneys do you have, et cetera? What's, what's going on? Well, I'm a member of a firm called CKR, which is actually a global law firm. So we've got the Atlanta offices in Johns Creek. There's offices in China, South Africa, Israel, all over the place. I think the only place we don't have is Antarctica. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's literally all over the place. And what we do is focus on businesses. So from start to finish, um, for example, we got a guy in our office, Donnie Sloan, has an LLM in tax from Harvard. Um, he's seen it all with, with corporations, and, and, and he's the, uh, you know, as far as the formation and, and, the, and the document guy to, to do all that. Um, Steve Fuller uh, is one of the best litigators in the state uh, for, for business litigation, and, and he's in the office. What we try to do is, is help businesses from start to finish and anywhere in between, help them to, to build so they get to the point where they can sell their business for millions of dollars and move on to whatever they want to do, if they mm-hmm. want to retire or, or start a new business. And uh, one of the things I was talking about when I told them I was coming on the radio show, we started talking about um, what happens if there's an active shooter. And mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of companies don't have that in their right. in their employee handbook. So what what you want to you know you definitely want that in there because you could be liable if something right. happens and if right. you don't have that. And uh, that's something that we can actually address with companies. Now we are not security experts, so you actually have to have right. a, a security guy to 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 talk about those things. But but what you need to have in your policy manual if your company is what to, what to do if there is an active shooter. And probably have levels of information on who gets how much information on on what happens, you know, and mm-hmm. what to do when this, you know, you don't want basically to tell everybody every secret about what's going on. Right. So if the employee handbook gets into the wrong hands, it's basically like the bad guy having the right. uh, the code to your safe, right? Right. right. <laughs> so, um, um, you know, let's say you've got you've got a guy in your office that that. Uh, that carries and and he's 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 a, a good shooter, but you you know you don't know for sure what he's going to be like in a in, right. a in a situation like that. He might be great hitting targets right. in the you know in a shooting yeah. range, but when when the time comes, when the paper's shooting back at you, it's a little bit different. Right, story. <laughs> right. So so what do you know? Are you going to trust in that guy? Is that something you're actually going to put in your policy? You might have some liability issues right. if you do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, there's there's companies that, if, you know, don't even want guns on their property. So, of course, that's their that's their right to do it. I don't right. agree with it, but that's the right. So that you know that's that's something that also has to be put into the into the policy itself. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, companies should really be looking at this. Now, the odds of somebody having a uh, a mass shooter are pretty rare, right? But there is workplace violence, and there are yes. people that that. You know, go crazy or go postal, as they say, mm-hmm. and, and and shoot up an office or or try to you know send a send a package to an office to uh, for whatever reason to uh, to 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 hurt someone. Right. And so it's it's really incumbent on companies to have something 
in their policy to to address that um, and just don't wait and, and then call your insurance agent and try to find out later, hey, am I covered with this right. and what's going to happen? Yeah. Is that a mistake or should I have done this before? Yeah, it's too late. <laughs> That's then. a bad question to ask. Of course, should insurance I? companies can be looking for an exclusion at that point. Right, right. <laughs> so uh, so you got to be careful about how you do some of those things. Right. Um, we talked earlier about, uh, about some of your uh, political uh, doings in the past. Now uh, I know people that uh, people that are familiar with the Tea Party will know you and Julianne probably from that. Your wife Julianne, uh, she's well known around here uh, for her political work, and um, you have something that you're. What is your current status with the Republican Party here in Georgia? I'm seventh district chairman of the Georgia Republican Party, and the seventh district is composed of most of Gwinnett and about half of Forsyth County. Okay. And what what do uh, what is your responsibility in that district? Well, a lot of people don't understand that, right? And and you know they there's a lot of people that are reluctant to get active locally, and that's where we really need to be active is locally, because then we can make a difference nationally. But if if we're just sitting down here as a, a bump on a log, and the, and the national politicians don't re- even realize we're here or doing anything, then we we lose a lot of our power. Where if we got together and uh, and got more involved in the district level, then we can make a difference. That's exactly right. And one of the things that I think people should really understand with uh, grassroots activism uh, is that congressmen do take notice of calls, of letters, of emails. Um, That that is something I think people, you know, they, they think, well, there's, you know, there's, they're not paying attention. Right. They won't know. But believe me, they do. If they are getting boxes of letters, they'll know. That's correct. Well, I'll give you a story. I, uh, back when this is like 95, 94, 95, I was working on Pat Buchanan's presidential campaign in McLean, Virginia, and my wife was working in the House Judiciary Committee, mm-hmm. uh, the Constitution Subcommittee. And she told me a story about there was a staffer that – was hiding boxes of mail uh, from one of the congressmen because they had their own agenda. Mm-hmm. They didn't want the congressman to see this mail coming in because it might influence them. And they, you know, it was right. a moderate to liberal staffer, I guess. And they put it all in a closet. Well, the congressman opened the door for some reason in this closet, saw this and of course went crazy because yeah. he wasn't notified that this right. went on. And of course he changed his his mind, or he was—I don't remember the issue anymore—but he was—he was, you know, kind of on the fence of whatever it was. He sees all this mail. Yeah. These are his constituents. Yeah, these and, are the people who put him in office, and they're the ones that are thinking he's ignoring me. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So, so it does make a, a difference, you know. Sometimes you think that one call won't do it, but it does. Yeah. But especially when there's a mass amount of calls, a mass amount of email, a mass amount of regular mail. Right. The staff gets that. They will tell the congressman what's going on most of the time. That was an exception. But uh, they will tell them what's going right. on, and they'll take notice right. because they want to stay in office. They want to stay in office. That's a, <laughs> as that's, long as possible. Once they get into office, their goal is to stay in office. That, that's right. You know, and you should realize that. And and your input may be the, the, the one that determines how he votes. I that's mean, right. if he's sitting there – Right on the fence post, and he said, "Well, if I get three more, it says yes. I'm going to say yes." 
but you never know that until you send it. And if you don't send an email or, or a letter, and my understanding, it used to be uh, handwritten letters counted more than anything else, but I, I understand now it's getting down to where basically email counts just about as much as anything. That may uh, be so. Because, because it's so uh, prevalent. Uh, right. But I, I still encourage people to sit down and write them a letter because a lot of times they'll get it and they'll they'll you know kind of it's almost like a treasure because somebody thought enough to sit down and write out what they felt about it instead of typing it on a on an email real quick and and going that's the way i feel when i get a handwritten letter yeah you know if, even if it's addressed that way that right. someone took the time to do it versus something that's a form letter right that was right. automatically generated right. and sent out right um no, I think there is something to that. And then at the same time, most of the staffers are young. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're more used to, to email. Right. Um, but but I, I, I really do believe that, that uh, handwritten letters and um, – Telephone course, calls. Telephone calls and, of course, face-to-face contact. Right. You right. know, actually going to someone's office. Well, going um, to someone's office, asking them out for a cup of coffee, uh, taking them out to breakfast, you know, whatever you can do to get in front of them and get five or ten minutes of their time or more. And and normally, if you make those, you'll get more than five or ten minutes. You're lucky most of the time to get more than a, a couple of minute phone calls. But if you sit down in front of them, they'll hold the rest of the co- phone calls to hear what you have to say. And especially if you – we had an incident in um, – I guess you'd call it an incident. It really wasn't much of an incident. But we had a when we first started, there was a uh, a lady legislator here in Georgia, uh, and we started out with a process that, w- that we go through right now. Contact them, you know, let them know what's going on, et cetera. And this one of our members, a lady, called this lady representative, asked her out for breakfast. She, the, the representative said it's the first time anybody's done that. She went out with her. She had coffee. They became good friends. And as a consequence, she became a strong supporter of GeorgiaCarry.org just because that woman took the time to go down, sit down, and talk to her. And she said, you know, this is the way it ought to be. Well, and there's a lot of times that most of the time, I think, that that a lot of times that legislators rely on people to let them know what a bill is all about because it's so voluminous. Right. And— and they, you know, for gun rights, they, they, they might call you and ask you oh, yeah. what, what this is all about. But some of them might not know at all. Yep. And that's why your membership of Georgia Carry, they correct. know the state rep, state senator in Georgia, contact That's them. correct. We've uh, got to take a break again. I want to remind you, go to georgiacarry.org. Uh, you can contact us uh, from the website. You can uh, follow us at Georgia Carry on Twitter. You can download the commercial free podcast of this program at Newstalk1160.com and we'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. Here once again with Jason Thompson, uh, an attorney from uh, Johns Creek, Georgia, and the what was the seventh district? Seventh district chairman, chairman. Of the Georgia chairman. Republican Party. Right. right. Okay. Mm. Uh, and uh, I, I understand that you're looking for another office with the Republicans. Well, what's going on now is 
our current national committee man, his name's Randy Evans, mm-hmm. um, pretty popular guy. He uh, was often on TV during uh, right. the election talking about uh, the convention and the like. He has been appointed by President Trump to be ambassador to Luxembourg. And uh, next week's my understanding, uh, his nomination is going before the, the Senate to be confirmed. Mm-hmm. And I would assume that sometime thereafter he would, you know, resign and and uh, and then the we'd have to call a special election. Right. So that's what I've been involved in the party a long time. Know the rules well, and uh, you know I, I actually called mm-hmm. and talked to him about this before I even started running for it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know a uh, few pe- people in the party too. I, yeah, I do. I do that. all over the state. Yeah, I've been around a long time, and. Uh, you know, it's it's funny because even when I when I start putting together my updating my political resume or or redoing it, honestly, there's just yeah, you know, I've been involved in so many campaigns over the years that I just you know you can't put them all right. down. It's just right. it's it's my resume is too long the way it is already. Right. It's, it's it's almost ridiculous and and uh, um, but I you know there's a good amount of people that that already know me, which which really helps. Mm-hmm. And I've always been fair to people. Um, whether I disagree with them or not, because um, our party is is somewhat factionalized. Um, mm-hmm. And to a certain extent, it's kind of always been that way for one reason or another, different uh, different issues that people will right. will split off into groups and things. And, and that's that's normal. That's that's just part of, uh, you know, that's part of politics in, in America. But, um, you know, I've got a wide range of support from different factions, if you would. Um, so hopefully this will, this will be soon. Um, you know, the, the, the state, um, the state chairman would have to call a meeting, um, after, after the resignation and then it's between conventions. So Mm -hmm. the state committee, which is composed of 176 people would have to vote versus the whole convention. Um, so the people that are state committee members would be the ones doing the voting. Okay. And uh, and so I've been calling people mm-hmm. and and talking to people and and, and getting folks to uh, to write nice things about me, <laughs> like yourself. <laughs> well, uh, that's not real difficult to do sometimes. Uh, like you say, we've known each other. Uh, I know. I'm not sure if we met at the first Georgia Care Convention or before that. I think we talked before that, but I think maybe was our first face to face was. Was yeah. there, but you, we'd talked on the phone. I know before that. Yeah, I was I was involved. So I, I know it's been like like at least ten years or so. Yeah. And uh, I've spoke at one of the conventions. Uh, yes, you did. Um, and uh, during the time that that we've known each other, we've never had, uh, as I understand, we've never had any any differences in any of the firearms laws that we want to change not to my knowledge no i don't <laughs> i don't know of any either right yeah uh we we have uh we've always gone down the same road trying to you know it's always as everybody knows it's always been our policy we ask for for the moon and we take whatever we can get and then we come back next year and ask for the moon again and it's been very successful there are people uh, that and they're in some of the factions of the GOP that thinks that's not the way to do it. We either get everything or we don't get anything. And the sad part about that is when you, you say, well, I want it all or nothing, well, guess what? It's a whole lot easier to give you nothing than it is to give you part of what you want. And that's what you normally wind up with. 
That's right. And uh, and that's one of the reasons that that uh, that we need everybody involved. But now you uh, right now, uh, other than the involvement of the delegates that you were talking about, it doesn't do anybody or does it do anybody any good to get involved with you in this? Well, yeah, because they they know people that are that are state committee members. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so if they know if they know state committee members, they can start contacting them, telling them. That's exactly right. They would like to say, okay. Uh, But it's not like running a a normal campaign would be. Which we're, that's right, where there's like thousands of people. But but, but what you said is true. I mean, if if, if there's any folks out there that know people on the state committee, um, please contact them on my behalf. I appreciate it. If you have any questions, you can always call me. Here's one of the great things about this. This is why I'm excited for our party is that I think for the first time we'll have somebody that is very accessible. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Randy, Randy's accessible, Randy Evans, that is, our current national committee, right. but he's a really busy man right? and is all over the country. Uh, and um, the guy we had before that was Alec Poindavent. He was on there for 23 years. Mm-hmm. We, um, in 2010, I was on the rules committee when we made term limits um, because we thought that you shouldn't be in that position for life. Right. You actually have to you know, bring in new blood at right. certain times, right. and and uh, uh, you know, it's it's, well, it's you, good for any organization sure, to do that type sure. of thing. Sure, Every, everybody needs to do that because if you don't, you become stoic. You got the same ideas, and and they just stay at a level place. That's right. And and uh, and there's also a lot of times people will uh, say, "Well, geez, he's been there for 15 years. We can't replace him." Well, that's the guy you probably need to replace if he's been there 15 years. Because you need to get some new blood in here, and if he can't go any further up the chain, then you know he's he's kind of blocking the ladder of success for anybody else. And there are states that don't have any term limits at all, and the and literally the person will have to die before they have a new Republican National Committee right. man or National Committee woman. Right. Um, well, I I, um, I guess uh, I like everybody have, uh, or at least everybody I talk to. I don't know of anybody that's that is one hundred percent satisfied with either party. Now, uh, you know, on the left, uh, they're they're not liberal enough; they're too conservative, and on the right, they're either rhinos or they're they're way too conservative. There's no nowadays. It seems like in the in the United States, there's no middle ground for anything. Now there are some things that I agree that that there shouldn't be a middle ground on. I, I believe the the Bill of Rights should be our Bill of Rights, and there shouldn't be any any give on that. That's exactly the way this country was set up. But on other issues, then there should be some things that you could, you know, that you can meet in the middle on. A, a lot of a lot of what I think the problem is is if if you remember back through history, we always had statesmen. We had real statesmen that could go bring people together and say, look, you know, we know we're not going to get this. We know you're not going to get this, but let's let's take a portion of both of it and let's see what we can come up with the best. And that normally works better than it does with everything on the right or everything on the left. But those statesmen now, it seems like we're missing an awful lot of those statesmen. We, we are so we are so intent on it being our way or the highway. And I think that's one of the things that's ruining this country. I think, and another thing, because I just thought about this, if I don't say it now, I won't bring it up. I believe strongly that if you run as a Democrat, 
and you're elected as a Democrat, you don't switch parties. Same thing with a Republican. If you want to switch parties, you go be elected at your next election as a Republican or as a Democrat if you want to change. To me, it's to me that is voter fraud in in a way because I have told you that I support this this party, this plank, etc. You elected me under those terms, and now I say, well, I'm going to go over here and stand on this plank. To me, that's just totally wrong. Right. Well, I I agree with 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 what you're saying. I was I was thinking about Ronald Reagan. You know, he was originally he was a Democrat. Sure. And his statement was, I didn't leave the Democratic Party. They left me. That's but correct. he did it the right way. That's correct. He didn't switch. He ran as a, as a Republican right. in, in California, became governor, and then, and then president. But, you know, I, as far as statesmen are concerned, I, I, I agree with you. I think one of the problems we have nowadays is even though it's, it's so convenient, you know, we got our cell phones sitting out right in front of us, can't, you know, can't be without them, right? Right. But, but it's so, you know, social media and, and – right. and, and the way everything is just so hyper you know, sensitive, sen- right. sensationalized, um, people don't really sit down and talk to each other right. anymore. Right. I mean, you go back to you talking about Reagan. Reagan and Tip O'Neill would get together, right. have a drink. Right. Right. They'd right. work it out. Right. Uh, really, the same with uh, Gingrich and and Clinton. Right. They did that too. They did the same thing. Uh, we just now it's it's like, it's like this big divide. And who's the first to go to the media? To say something negative about about the other side, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, where where people really do need to sit down and talk to each other. Um, I guess one of the problems, though, is is that, like you said, the Constitution. If you can't fundamentally agree that that the Constitution is 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 our, our founding documents, you know, that's something that's the law of the land. Right. If right. you can't agree on that, then you've got a real problem, and I think right. we've got some of that nowadays, and that's why there's such a big divide. Right, I, and I don't disagree with that at all. I believe that that's uh, that's the way it is. It, it, it's unfortunate, but that's the way it is. And and as far as I say one thing real quick about um, about Reagan being a Democrat, you know, I was raised a Democrat. Nearly, there's a ton of people right now that were raised Democrats, and the same thing happened. The Democrats left them. They went to the Republican Party because they were really more more conservative. At any rate, uh, we'll be uh, uh, go to georgiacarry.org, uh, look us up, uh, download the free podcast at uh, newstalk1160.com, and we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio, our, our last segment here with Jason Thompson. Uh, before we go any further, I want to remind uh, people, or I want to tell you, I was uh, I made a phone call on the way in today to talk to my old friend uh, Alan Powell, uh, state representative and chairman of the House Public Safety and Homeland Security Committee. Uh, Alan had, uh, right after the session last year, he had his, I believe it was his left knee replaced, and he is scheduled to go in Monday and have his right knee replaced. So he will hopefully be walking on uh, on two good legs when the session rolls around. He uh, He's uh, Ready to do it. He he thinks it needs to be done. And I know last time he went through a lot of pain, a lot of trouble. So uh, those of you that hit your knees at night, if you all kind of remember Alan, uh, 
I'm sure he'd appreciate it, and uh, and we appreciate what he does for us. So uh, now back to Jason. We um, okay. We've decided uh, that that you're an attorney. You're married to a, a lady that's more famous than you are. That's true. Uh, <laughs> you have two children. You have a, I do. a, a boy and a girl, uh, Julianne and Hayden. Is that or Ju- is it? Yeah, Julianne's Julianne. my, my, my wife, and, and and Hayden is my son, and then I have Tori. Tori, okay. who's a uh, who's at Kennesaw State, right? And uh, she is head of the Kennesaw State College Republicans. Good. She's a freshman there. Good. Um, when she was a little girl, we, we used to drag her to all these political events. Right. I remember when she was real little, she'd say, I don't want anything right. to do with politics. Right. You know? Now she's majoring in political science. Right. She's uh, you know, college Republican chairman of her club. Right. And uh, I'm real proud of both of them. Um, I announced games at, my, at Hebrew and Christian Academy for not only my mid, the middle school, but for the high school. Right. So I have a lot of fun doing that, uh, watching my son play football. Right. Um, cherishing those times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's – well, those are times that, that, you know, they only come by once. They come by real quick, and if you miss it, you it's gone forever. So you you, you have to take what you can uh, with all the family life. I mean, it doesn't matter. I mean, as you get, as you get older, the times still go by fast. You know, it becomes – uh, the time you're missing now with your children is going to be the time you're going to be missing with your grandchildren, et cetera. It's just it, life goes on, and, and you have to try to grab everything you can as well, it comes by. And and when I call people throughout the state as I'm running for this, this position, National Committee man, and talk to them and tell them about Tori, they remember her in, you know, in, in right. a little bassinet or car right. carrier or whatever you call it. <laughs> right, right. I was dragging her to events. Right. Uh, so that, you know, so that – you know, shows how long um, I've been been involved, uh, both of us. Uh, my wife's on TV quite a bit, right. on, on radio, right. and uh, she's, she's got a real knack for it. She's excellent with— She's better looking in New York, too, by the way. She pretty much is. I, you know, <laughs> sure there's people that wondered what happened. Well, you know, all of us get lucky every once in a while. I think most of us probably married up. You know, I did. As, I as did. you I, did. And, I admit and, it. <laughs> and I did too. I was uh, a matter of fact. I've I've been lucky enough to, I was lucky enough to find somebody that would stick with me almost forty six years. We'll be married forty six years in November. So congratulations. Thank you. It's uh, that's that's I, I tell odd everybody. Now, it, isn't it? I tell everybody it's her fault. I wouldn't have put up with me anywhere near that long. But <laughs> it's it is it is and it isn't. Uh, we know an awful lot of people that have been married about the same amount of time. A lot really? of a lot of our friends that got married. Uh, about the same time we did are still married and and uh, uh i've got a sister and brother-in-law who got married uh, the year before we did and they're still going strong you know so it it's i think that the the main reason that's unusual is you don't hear about it nearly as much as you do all the divorces and all the breakups and the, and all the people from split families right it's just because you know, of like just like news you know people right. want to hear the negative news you got to hear got the bad shot stuff or, right right got to hear the bad stuff but but you you don't you rarely hear of the good stuff and uh and i've i've been surprised uh, as 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 i get older to realize when i say well i've been married 46 years some guy yeah we got we we married 43 years you know i'm married 50 years you know it's amazing the number of people that i run into that that's the way it is and then of course you got the one that says well i've been married 50 years if you count all 10 of my weddings you know wow (laughs) it's uh but it's 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 uh 
it's unusual and it's it's good to find somebody that'll stick with you that long well i'll tell you i was i was thinking about you know good news bad news how people focus on negative news i was thinking about the nfl mm-hmm. um you know you you you, they tend to focus on people beating their wives right. or, or, or things like that or the kneeling, which is going on now. But you don't hear the news story on a guy like Jeff Saturday, for example. That's correct. Uh, who's a good Christian man who's, right. who's coaching kids and, and uh, making them better men. Right. And I know a lot of guys like that. Well, sure. There's, if you go back, there's a, there's a good program on uh, on the cable channel. about. It's called uh, My Football Life, and it, it goes to people – uh, Roger Staubach, uh, Troy Aikman, uh, Emmett Smith, uh, Joe, Joe Montana, people who have played football were big names, and they come out and they do good things for other people, and they, they build uh, basically conglomerates from what they did, and you don't hear anything negative about those guys. I will, I've and probably the only thing, those. Yeah, and the only thing that you hear is the the bad part. Right. And, and it's unfortunate but you know, and 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 I, people say that it's a whole lot more prevalent in the NFL. But I think probably just like any group, if you cut through a, a section of of uh, the public, it's 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 not a whole lot different in the NFL than it is in the public. It's just that they you hear about them because they're on TV all the time. They get to make a play. You know, they they get benched because of what they did. And yet we have people doing the same thing right here on the streets of Atlanta right. that we don't hear about. Right. But, Probably my favorite one out of that is the one on Reggie White and Brown. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that one. That was great. I did. Um, uh, and uh, and another guy that impressed me a whole lot and is uh, – um, he impressed me so much I forgot his name. <laughs> Sounds like it. Made a huge impression. Uh, the guy that's on TV with uh, – or uh, was on with uh, Kelly. Uh, uh, oh, Strahan. Strahan. Michael Strahan, yes. I mean, that dude has become a conglomerate in himself. Right. And he, he you never heard of him doing anything bad. Now, he'll tell you that he's, he's you know, been in more fights and you shake a stick at and things like that. But as far as him really going out and doing anything bad, he didn't do it. But you don't hear you, – the only reason you hear about him is because he's in the limelight. These other people we mentioned before, they're not really in the limelight unless you're doing business with them. And I'll tell you one that, that I liked uh, talking about the NFL. Uh, do you remember Hollywood Henderson Yeah, from Dallas? Well, yes. you know, after – Dallas cut him because he was on drugs. And he went to play uh, somewhere else for a year or so, and then he was cut. And he, he went right straight to the bottom. He was homeless. Uh, after all the money that he had made, and he was, uh, he was in Dallas or Fort Worth, uh, down as low as you could get just about, and he bought a lottery ticket, and I think he won $7 million. And most people thought, well, there goes another $7 million up his nose. That guy turned his life around and spent that $7 million to start a foundation to help other people in the same boat he was in. That's amazing. He got out of it. After all that he went through, I think he was even in prison for a while. But he, once he got that money back and had an opportunity, he changed his whole life and has helped numerous other people's life. And it's it's amazing that people are strong enough to do that after some of the things they've been through. Well, and another great story is Chris Carter. Same thing. He was, mm-hmm. you know, I actually used to watch games with his his brother lived uh, locally here, but 
Um, amazing guy, amazing story. He had a drug problem, changed his life around. Good Christian man. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you what, this negative, the, when you're talking about negative stories, going back to, you know, your organization, georgiacarry.org, um, we don't hear the the good stories about guns. No, we don't. No. And we don't hear the story, at least, you know, you've got to really dig for something to find it. It might be out there yeah. in the interwebs to find a good, you know, the good story that somebody in a little right. rinky-dink right. Uh, news organization talked about somebody that saved someone's life because yeah. of a gun. But what we do hear is the negative stories. Right. Well, you, you hear you hear a few more than you used to, and that's because of, of social media, because right. some small station somewhere will do it, uh, do the story on it, and then it'll be picked up and go everywhere. There was a story recently of, uh, of a uh, concealed carrier uh, saw that there was a robbery in effect, uh, and he pulled his gun and held his, the guy till the police got there. Uh, a lot of things like that happen, but, you know, people want to say it's the other way around. Everything's bad. Nothing good came out of a gun, and, you know, I disagree with that because without uh, firearms, there wouldn't be an America. That's I mean, right. Face it. So if you hate America, then I guess you have a right to hate guns. I mean, you have a right to hate guns anyway, but maybe you have a reason to hate guns if you hate America. But at any rate, we're coming up to the end of the program here. I want to thank Jason for being here, taking the time out of your thank busy you day. Me. Thank and, you very much. Uh, and I enjoy talking with you as usual. Uh, get uh, – uh, and by the way, it's uh, he's in. The reason I say he's in Johns Creek is because if you look up Jason Thompson, you'll find an awful lot of attorneys that are named Jason Thompson, and you, you need to get quick. Well, there's a funny story about that. I went to speak at Walton County. They have a great chairman there, Roy Roberts, and uh, they asked me to come and speak, and they put a photograph, whoever does their web, put oh, a photograph of this judge yeah. in uh, Fayette County, Jason yep. Thompson. Right. Right. Yeah. So, so. <laughs> you got to be careful which one you get. At any rate, uh, we uh, we've come to the end of the program. Uh, you can download the news commercial uh, free podcast at eleven sixty dot com, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, hosted by Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Join us each week for information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.